Amen. I want to say happy Easter to all of you today. I want you to just turn to your neighbor right now and just say hello and happy Easter. Happy Resurrection Sunday. It's good to be in the house of the Lord. Amen. Today is a beautiful day. It's not just a beautiful day because of the weather. Today is a beautiful day because Christ is alive, that the tomb is empty. And because we are in him and him in us, we too are alive. I want to welcome you. If today is your first Sunday to New Philadelphia Church. Uh, we are a multi-site English ministry located not just here in Korea, but also in Australia. And we have a vision to go and plant churches all throughout uh, Oceania and Asia. And so I just want to welcome you today on this Easter Sunday. Uh, we hope that you really encounter God in a powerful way uh, today. All right, that's the introduction. <laughs> My name is Marcus. I'm the campus pastor here. And today I want to talk to you on the topic, expect the resurrection. We expect death in our relationships. We expect death in our workplace. We expect death in our families. You know, when you go to that family dinner, that family reunion, you walk through the door expecting death. Somebody's going to argue. Something's going to get thrown. Some bad things are going to happen. Some of us, we, walk, we wake up every day just not expecting life. We expect death. Every human being, we know that death is just a part of it, right? We expect death, but how many of us expect resurrection? You've lived your whole life expecting death, but God's word to you today is that he wants you to leave this place expecting resurrection. He wants you to leave this place expecting God's resurrection power to show up in every single area of your life because it showed up in the life of Jesus. Today is Easter it's Resurrection Sunday. It's not about bunnies and eggs. I never understood the correlation. For the longest time as a child, I was like, wait, bunnies, rabbits don't have eggs. Wait, do they? No, no, they don't. They don't. Don't judge me. Just I had a moment where, you know, Satan, I bind you. No, this day is about resurrection. Actually, the Christian walk is not about expecting death. It's about expecting resurrection. Every human being that walks the earth, they expect death. But the Christian is the one individual. The Christian is the one person who is called to expect the resurrection. That's actually what makes you a Christian. Romans 10, 9 says, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that he died on the cross. Mm, no, it doesn't say that. Believe in your heart that he was born of the Virgin Mary. Mm, it doesn't say that. No, if you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. What makes you a Christian is the fact that not only do you expect death, we die at some point, but that you expect resurrection. Yes. Do you wake up expecting resurrection? 
Last night we were at our joint prayer meeting. We were praying for North Korea. And we were praying for North Korea and we were talking about the 300,000 people that are in the prison camps. And as we, and, and as Pastor Myungwa, who's one of our pastors, was leading prayer about this, everything in me wanted to mourn. When she was leading prayer about the ferry, the tragedy that's, that's still going on, everything in me wanted to mourn and to weep. Everything in me wanted to just look at it and say, well, you know what, man? Just death. There's always so much death. Why is it on the news that every time I turn, there's always so much death? And the moment I opened up my mouth to pray, I just sensed the Holy Spirit saying, Marcus, I don't call you to expect death. Anyone can expect death. I call you to expect resurrection. Will you pray believing that where there's death, there will be life? Will you pray believing that where there's mourning, there will be joy? Will you believe where no one else is willing to believe because everyone walks around expecting death? Will you be a person that will expect resurrection? God calls us to be a people that expect resurrection. Jesus wants you to expect resurrection. Jesus called his disciples to expect resurrection. I want you to turn in your Bibles to Luke 24. Luke 24, and this is going to be our main passage of Scripture today. Luke 24, and we're actually going to work through this entire chapter today. How do you live? See, most of us, we we see our lives on a downward spiral towards death. But Jesus saw his life on a, on a spiral towards resurrection. We see our lives getting worse and worse and worse and worse, and then we die. But Jesus saw things radically different. In fact, he said to his disciples, he said that the Son of Man will be given over to sinners. He will be tortured and crucified, and he will die. But on the third day, he will rise again. He said that throughout. We'll look at those passages, but we're going to look at Luke 24. And I'm going to read through this. And hopefully I will be as eloquent as Pastor Egbert was earlier, reading through Thessalonians. So let's see, Luke 24. But on the first day of the week, you can look along. If you don't have your Bible, Look to the person next to you. On the first day of the week at early dawn, they went to the tomb taking spices that they had prepared. And they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. But when they went in, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were perplexed about this, behold, two men stood before them in dazzling apparel. And as they were frightened and bowed their faces to the ground, the men said to them, why do you seek the living among the dead? He is not here, but has risen. Remember how he told you while he was still in Galilee that the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified and on the third day rise. And they remembered his words. And returning from the tomb, they told all these things to the eleven and to all the rest. Now it was Mary Magdalene and Joanna and Mary, the mother of James, and the other women with them who told these things to the apostles. But these words seemed to them an idle tale, and they did not believe them. But Peter rose, ran to the tomb, 
Stooping and looking in, he saw the linen cloths by themselves, and he went home marveling at what happened. That very day, two of them were going to a village named Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem, and they were talking with each other about all these things that had happened. While they were talking and discussing together, Jesus himself drew near and went with them. But their eyes were kept from recognizing him, and he said to them, what is this conversation you're holding with each other as you walk? And they stood still, looking sad. Then one of them named Cleopas answered him, Are you the only visitor to Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened there in these days? He's talking to Jesus. (laughs) Cleopas. mm. And he said to them, What things? I love how Jesus played dumb right there. And he said to him, Concerning Jesus of Nazareth. A man who was a prophet, mighty in deed and word before God and all the people. And how our chief priests and rulers delivered him up to be condemned to death and crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. Yes, and besides all this, it is now the third day since these things happened. Moreover, some of the women of our company amazed us. They were at the tomb early in the morning. And when they did not find his body, they came back saying that they had even seen a vision of angels who said that he was alive. Some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but him they did not see. And he, Jesus, said to them, O foolish ones, and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Was it not necessary that the Christ should suffer these things and enter into his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. So they drew near to the village to where they were going, and he acted as if he were going farther. But they urged him strongly, saying, Stay with us, for it is toward evening, and the day is now far spent. So he went in to stay with them. When he was at the table with them, he took the bread and blessed it and broke it and gave it to them. And their eyes were opened, and they recognized him. And he vanished from their sight. They said to each other, did not our hearts burn within us while he talked to us on the road, while he opened to us the scriptures? And they rose that same hour and returned to Jerusalem. And they found the eleven and those who were with them gathered together, saying, the Lord has risen indeed and has appeared to Simon. Then they told what had happened on the road and how he was known to them in the breaking of the bread. As they were talking about these things, Jesus himself said, stood among them. I don't know how he got there, but he stood there and said to them, peace to you. But they were startled and frightened and thought they saw a spirit. And he said to them, why are you troubled? And why do doubts arise in your heart? See my hands and my feet, that it is I myself. Touch me and see. For spirit does not have flesh and bones as you see that I have. And when he had said this, he showed them his hands and his feet. And while they were still, they still disbelieved for joy and were marveling. He said to them, have you anything here to eat? And they gave him a fish sandwich, a piece of broiled fish. And he took it and ate it before them. He said to them, these are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you. That everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures and said to them, thus it is written that the Christ should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead and that repentance and forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all nations beginning from Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. 
And behold, I am sending the promise of my father upon you, but stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. Then he led them out as far as Bethany and lifting up his hands, he blessed them. And while he blessed them, he parted from them and was carried up into heaven. He didn't die. He was carried up and they worshiped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy and were continually in the temple blessing God. Let me pray for us. Father, I thank you for every person that is in this place today. I thank you, God, that you want to encounter us. I thank you, Lord, that your word does not come as just wise and persuasive words, but may it come with a demonstration of the spirit and power that our faith would not rest upon the words that I speak, but it would rest upon who you are, that you are alive, that you are God and there is no other and your glory shall not go to another God. Lord, I pray that the eyes of hearts would be enlightened and that hearts would begin to burn. God, as your word is preached, that hearts that were dull will begin to come alive. That hope will be awakened in this place. God, I bind the thief who comes to steal, kill, and destroy, and distract. And I declare your spirit going out in power today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Expect the resurrection. We see here in Luke 24 that this, you go back one chapter and we have the crucifixion. Jesus is betrayed by Judas for 30, 30 pieces of silver. He's delivered over into the hands of sinful men, even as he had prophesied early on. in I believe Luke chapter nine, he had told them that this, these things are going to happen, that I'm going to be, I'm going to be betrayed and that I'm going to be delivered over into the hands of sinful men. They will crucify me. They will kill me, but I will rise on the third day. And so you can imagine this is this is Jesus. This is the guy that they have been walking with now for almost three years or so in his public ministry. He called them out when they were fishermen, when they were tax collectors, when they were adulterers, when they were doing all kinds of sinful things. Jesus approaches them. He calls them out and then they begin to follow him. And, and they begin to walk with Jesus and they begin to see Jesus do miraculous things. I was thinking about what it must have been like to walk with Jesus during that time. Like this past month, I like I love to watch college basketball. Right. And I'm from North Carolina. And so my team is University of North Carolina. We're famous for basketball. Michael Jordan played for us and hopefully he prays for us. (laughs) And I watched I watched it and I was watching the final four and I was watching this one team called the University of Connecticut. They ended up winning the whole tournament. And I was watching the games. And as I watched one of the games, it was really cool. Because every time the star player would hit a shot, every time the star player would, would dunk, they would always flash over to the bench. And there would be these guys on the bench. They sit on the far end of the bench. They are walk-ons. They, they're there. They can play basketball, but they just get on the team. They have to pay their way to be on the team. But every time a, a huge basket happens they flash over to the bench and you just see these guys who never play get up and be like yes you know and they're just like jumping around it's like they did the play you know and they're jumping around they're high-fiving like i love watching the bench players during any game like even in football i love watching the bench players because these are the guys who don't they don't get any time during the game they're not the guy they're not the star players they don't get the press conferences no one's coming for their autograph No one even knows their names. 
If I asked you to name all the 12 disciples right now, none of you could do it. (laughs) No one knows their names, but they get to watch the star player hit all the shots. They're there celebrating and high-fiving and like, man, that's awesome. Yes. And they get to wear the uniform. They get the free sneakers. (laughs) I love sneakers. I was like, man, it would be awesome. I remember always watching those games like, man, it would be awesome just to be a walk-on. Just to sit on the end of the bench and just be there in the stadium watching someone else hit the shot. I can imagine that's what it must have been like for a lot of these disciples. They're walking with Jesus and they're seeing Jesus. He's the star player, of course. He's God incarnate, all right? Yeah, he's the star player. He, he gives the autographs. And he's walking through and he's healing the sick. He's raising the dead. He's casting out demons. He's doing all these mighty things. And they're like, I'm sure they were high-fiving. I'm sure they were doing jumping jacks, cartwheels. I would have been. That's, well, you would have knew my name in the Bible if I was there. They would have said, and Marcus did a cartwheel. <laughs> Jesus said, Lazarus, come alive. And Marcus did a cartwheel. <laughs> and you, know, you would have totally knew who I was. I know Marcus. That's the only one I know. He's the one who did the cartwheel in the Bible. But, Yeah. <laughs> He's the one who had the huge sign that said, go Jesus. <laughs> like, I can imagine what it must have been like to walk with him and see him perform all these signs and wonders and miracles. To hear him talk about how the kingdom of God is at hand. The kingdom of God is here. And hearing these words that are being spoken. And then all of a sudden you hear him say, but I'm going to be betrayed into the hands of sinful men. I'm going to be crucified. And on the third day, rise again. I don't, I'm sure if I was at that meeting, if I was in that huddle, when Jesus said those words, I would have probably not even heard on the third day he would rise again. All I heard was, man, you're going to die. And so these guys, they walk with Jesus. And then all of a sudden you get to the point where he's betrayed. And he is delivered into the hands of sinful men. And they beat him. They They flock him. They mock him publicly. And, you know, now because there's a cost to be paid, all the bench players run away. (laughs) And you would have probably read that about me in the Bible, too. And Marcus did cartwheels away. (laughs) And it says that it actually says in Luke that they stood from afar and watched him be crucified. Can you imagine the sorrow? Can you imagine the disappointment, the, the hurt, the pain. You ever been disappointed about something, something you hoped for, something you believed in, and it didn't work out the way that you had hoped? Maybe someone you believed in turned out not to be who you thought they were. Maybe for some of you, you feel like God is not who That God has not turned out to be who you thought he was. This is what they're seeing. They're seeing him die. And then they. They all retreat. And this is where we find. Luke 24. This is the context. Jesus has been buried. Joseph. Of Arimathea grabs his body, wraps it, and then they put his body in a tomb. And now we're at Luke 24. And I want to talk about three There's three different people or three different groups of people whom 
Jesus encounters, Jesus appears, or there is an encounter, or the word of his resurrection shows up. But because they expect death rather than expecting the resurrection, they're not able to see it. Because they're walking with an expectation of death, because they go to the tomb expecting death, they're not able to really see God. And the first is in verses 1 to 6. It says, but on the first day of the week at early dawn, they went to the tomb taking the spices that they had prepared. And this is talking about Mary Magdalene, Joanna, and Mary, the mother of Jesus. And they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. But when they went in, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were perplexed about this, behold, two men stood by them in dazzling apparel. I want to stop right there. They were confused. They were confused because they had expected to go there, get to the tomb and find a dead body. They had went there because they had heard, they had seen him die and their only expectation from that point forward was death. In fact, they prepared spices and ointments because that's their custom. Anytime someone dies, you have to go and then you prepare your spices and your ointments to be ready to prepare the body when that person dies. And as I was meditating on this, I was thinking, man, isn't it so often that I expect death or I go into situations and I prepare my spices and ointments, believing that there's going to be death when I get there? These, this, these women, when they went to the tomb, their expectation was for death. When they went to the tomb, all they expect, expected to find was death. But then they see these two men in dazzling clothes, bling, bling armor. And they say, what are you doing here? That's why they say, why are you seeking the living among the dead? In layman's terms, what are you doing here? What they were saying to them was, hey, you're coming into this place expecting to find a dead man, aren't you? How many of us, when we walk through life, that's that's all we're expecting. And we're actually even preparing our lives in such a way because we believe that all we're going to find is death. I believe that God is is not going to come through for me. So I'm going to prepare myself for what's going to come. I've seen things not work out for me in the past, so I'm going to prepare myself just in case it doesn't work out. This thing that I've hoped for has fallen out. I'm disappointed, so I'll turn to alcohol as my spices and ointment. I'll turn to drugs as my spices and ointment. I will turn to pornography as my spices and ointment. I'll turn to all these other things because I'm walking through life only expecting death. They went to a place that was filled with dead people because that's what they expected to find, dead people. And if you live your life constantly expecting death, you will find yourself surrounded by dead people. I can always tell the people that are expecting death rather than expecting life because after time they stop being around people who are filled with life and they start going to those who are filled with nothing but death. That's what, this was Mary. This was, this was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, and Mary, the mother of Jesus. They went through the motions because they, they were prepared to handle death, but they weren't ready to handle resurrection. Have you set up your life in such a way in which you believe that God's going to bring resurrection? 
when bad things happen in your life, do you think about it in terms of how can I deal with this best? Or do you think about it in terms of how is God going to bring new life in this situation? The second group of people were the two guys on the road to Emmaus. Why don't you skip over to verse 13. So the two angels, they tell them, they tell them, listen, Jesus isn't here. Jesus is resurrected. And they have trouble with this. They look in the tomb and they, they're expecting to find death and they don't find death. They're expecting to find things going bad for them. And then all of a sudden they look in and it's not what they find. And the angel speaks to them and he, he reminds them of the scripture. They run back. They tell everyone and no one believes them. It's too good to be true. And then in verse 13, we find that there's two, two guys. That very day, two of them were going to a village named Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. And they were talking with each other about all these things that had happened. I mean, they were, they were walking down the street talking about how they just saw Jesus die. They're walking down the street talking about the death that they had seen and how, how bad it was and how they couldn't believe that he got beaten that way. They couldn't believe that he was on the cross and didn't say a word. And, and all of a sudden, it says, let's read verse 14, 15 to 16. And they were talking with each other about all these things that had happened. And while they were talking and discussing together, Jesus himself drew near and went with them. Verse 16. But their eyes were kept from recognizing him. And he said to them, what is this conversation that you're holding with each other as you walk? Now, these are two of Jesus' disciples. They rolled with Jesus, but Jesus shows up. There are two of them. And all of a sudden, a third guy shows up. And they turn, but they don't recognize him. And so this guy, Jesus, I'm sure he looked the same. I'm sure he didn't cut his facial hair or anything like that. I'm sure he was Jesus. But he's standing right there, but their eyes cannot see him. And he says to them, what is this conversation that you're holding with each other as you walk? And it says in verse 17, they stood still looking sad. They were so stricken with grief that they could not see Jesus right in front of them. For many of us in our lives, we've experienced death. We've experienced bad things. We, maybe we've had people die. Maybe we've had relationships die. Maybe there's things that we've hoped for and we've seen it die. And then because of those things that we've experienced in our life, we walk through so stricken with grief and hopelessness that we cannot even recognize Jesus when he's walking with us. You know what I'm talking about? You know, when I was, you know, this past month, I was sharing about different memories that I've been sharing with the leaders about different memories that God has been bringing up in my life, different memories that God has been speaking into my life. And he's been bringing things up that I had buried. And one memory that God brought up was when I went with my father to go buy some shoes. I don't know if I've ever shared this with you before, but I went. It was the first time I saw I went with my father, me and him one on one in the flesh. And we're in Ohio. He flew me out to Ohio. And the one thing he had to do was get me some shoes. Right. That was the one thing my mom said. My mom said, listen, when you go see your dad, he better get you some shoes and some nice shoes. And I was like, got it. I want some Jordans. <laughs> I wanted some Michael Jordans because those are the best shoes, right? 
Those shoes make you dunk. Those shoes make you fly. I believed that when I was 13. I was like, those shoes are going to make me a better basketball player. I want a pair of Jordans. And so we go and then we fly out. Well, I fly out by myself. It was the scariest flight of my life. Immediately as we got my first flight by myself, we immediately hit turbulence. And there was this older black woman next to me. me. She's like, it's going to be okay, baby. It's going to be okay. (laughs) That's the South for you. Take care of each other. Oh, sorry. (laughs) And I get there and I spend this weekend with my dad. And then he's like, all right, let's go get you some shoes. Let's go get you some shoes. And I'm like, yes, going to get some shoes. We walk in the Foot Locker. I run to the newest pair of Jordans. They're over there and I'm, I'm wearing size six and a half. I know that I can get the men's sizes now. I'm a man because I get size six and a half. I run to the men's size. I grab the, the newest pair of Jordans. They're $139.99. I grab them. Yeah, that's a lot. And I grab them. And I'm like, yes, let's get these Jordans. And I turn to my dad, and he's just like, and he turns, and he walks over to the kid's size, to the clearance aisle, to a pair of, of red and black Adidas. I hate red and black Adidas. But he, <laughs> And he grabs these red and black Adidas, and they are on sale. I think they were either $19.99 or $24.99. He brings them over, and he's like, hey, how about we get these instead? And I remember being so disappointed. I remember being so disappointed in that moment because I was like, man, my father doesn't want my best. He knows I, wanted, he knows I want Jordans, but all he wants to give me is some broke-down Adidas. I'm not saying Adidas are broke down. If you're wearing Adidas, bless you. But God brought up this memory last month. And I didn't know what was going on. I'm like, God, I don't want to think about shoes. And I don't want to think about this memory. But God brought this memory up. And he said, Marcus, at that point in your life, when that event happened, your hope that I would provide for you my best died. When that memory came up, he said, Marcus, you thought from that point forward that I'm just going to I'm just going to give you something and I'm going to force you to deal with it. I'm going to force you to live with it. And that's just all you're going to have to deal with because I'm your father and I'm going to make you take it. And that's always going to happen. And at that moment, Marcus, hope inside your heart for my best for your life died. And from that point forward, Marcus, anytime someone speaks to you about God's best, God providing, God wanting to break in, God going to resurrect hope in your life, you can never believe it because you always think that I'm only going to give you the least and never my best. Expecting death. So you can't even recognize when I'm moving in your life. You can't even recognize when I'm walking with you. You can't even see when I'm right beside you because you're so filled with hopelessness. You're so filled with disappointment that you cannot see that I'm moving in your life right now. And that's how many of us live our lives. We're like these disciples, so filled with disappointment. They said we had hoped. They said we had hoped, verse 21, we had hoped that he would be the one to redeem Israel. We put our faith in it, but it didn't happen. We had hoped and we didn't see it happen. And so now we're so filled with grief, so stricken with disappointment. We've let ourselves get in the pit of hopelessness that we cannot even see that Jesus, the resurrected one, is walking with us right down the street. Do you expect death? 
Or do you expect resurrection? I'm one to believe that if they were living expecting resurrection, if the narrative in their mind was that Jesus wouldn't just die, but he would rise again, that when they show, he showed up, they would have been like, hey, what's up, Jesus? Good to see you again. We knew you'd come. How many of us live like that? When things happen, when we're disappointed, when when people come against us, when we feel hopeless, how many of us walk around saying, well, I knew it was coming. I knew it would turn out this way. Or how many of us say, you know what? I may be going through this right now, but there's there's a resurrection. See, God doesn't want you to just expect death. He wants you to expect the resurrection. In fact, Jesus, they say this all to Jesus. They even say, listen, some women came through and they they kind of freaked us out. They amazed us. They told us that the tomb was empty. And then Jesus looks at them, verse 25, and he says, oh, foolish ones. And slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. That word slow of heart means dull of heart, heavy of heart, meaning when your heart no longer starts to feel alive. And now all you're walking around with is a dull heart, disappointment, hopelessness. You know what it does? It dulls our heart, doesn't it? In every situation, we find ourselves just expecting the worst and never expecting the best. And our hearts just become more and more, more and more dull, right? You know, the disciples, they couldn't see Jesus in front of them because they lived... They walked with an expectation of death. His death was not an aberration. It was a confirmation. Things turning out bad for them was not an aberration. It was, I knew it would happen. It was a confirmation of the narrative that they lived by. Is that how you live? The last group was the rest of the disciples. Jesus speaks to these two men on the Emmaus Road. He sits down, he opens up the scripture, and then he breaks bread with them. And then he vanishes, and then he shows up again in verse 36 with the rest of the disciples that were gathered in a room. And he shows up. And as they were talking about these things, Jesus himself stood among them and they said to them, he said to them, peace to you. Now, this is so funny. Jesus says, peace to you. Next verse. But they were startled and frightened. (laughs) Jesus is like, peace. And they're like, ah. He's like, that's the opposite of what I wanted to happen. (laughs) He shows up saying peace and they get scared. And here's the thing. It says they were startled and frightened and thought they saw a spirit. They thought they saw a ghost. That's what other translations say. And he said to them, why are you troubled? 
And why do doubts, these mean various thoughts, arise in your heart? See my hands and my feet, that it is I myself. Touch me and see. You know, they had, they had heard from Mary Magdalene that, that the tomb was empty. They heard from these two disciples that, oh my goodness, that Jesus walked with us down the road. He unpacked all the scriptures. He was with us. Our heart began to burn alive. And now all of a sudden, Jesus is standing in front of them and they don't believe that it's actually him. In fact, they just believe that it's a spirit. Meaning at best, they thought that the resurrection of Jesus was a spiritual phenomenon and not a real phenomenon, not a real deal, reality, something that you could touch and see. They thought that, okay, well, we saw him die and we know that death is real, but resurrection, okay, we'll believe to the most part that it's a spiritual thing, but a real Jesus incarnate, real Jesus resurrected in the flesh right in front of me right now. Nah, it's a ghost. You know, so many believers, we walk around expecting death. And at best, we expect for a spiritual experience. We expect for Jesus to touch us spiritually. Yeah, I had a spiritual high. Yeah, I got to compartmentalize and I got to take care of my spiritual life. That's why I'm coming to church today. But from Monday to Saturday, that's my real life. And these disciples, they looked at Jesus and they thought he was a spirit. They thought at best this resurrection is a spiritual one. I can deal with Christianity as long as it is a spiritual aspect. But if it's a real deal, something I can touch and see and have food with and it actually impacts my life. I don't I'm kind of scared of that. I don't know if I can deal with that. At best, we're okay with a resurrection that is spiritual in nature, but not one that is tangible. So Jesus says to them, hey, check it out. I'm not just a spirit. Touch me and see. Can you imagine being in that room when Jesus says, touch me and see? I want to know who the bold one was. Was it Thomas? Who was the bold one? Probably not. Who was it that said, who was, I want to touch him first. 